0: Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. So he, meaning Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And they handed him the book of the prophet Isaiah. So that wasn't his choice. It was on the schedule. It was in the program. Isaiah is the reading for today. When he opened the book, he found the place. So even though Isaiah was on the program, Isaiah is a pretty big book. And Jesus found the place. Perhaps they decided what the book was, but I think he decided what the reading would be. He found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery, celebrate recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And I would say. That there is something in this prophecy. In this prophetic declaration. There's something here for everyone. There's something. There's some dynamic. In this passage for you. I don't know if you need to hear the gospel preached today so that you can be saved or be saved all over again. Or maybe you're broken hearted and your broken heart needs to be healed. Or maybe you've been held captive by some vice, some addiction, some allurement of the world and you need to be liberated from it today. Or perhaps your eyes are blinded to the joy, the beauty, and the thrill of serving the Lord. Perhaps your spirit has been oppressed of the devil or by depression, anxiety, worry, fear. Jesus Christ said, I've come to set at liberty those in that condition. And verse 19, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Which literally is a revisiting of the Old Testament law of the year of Jubilee. Everybody say Jubilee. Jubilee. That word is not in our vocabulary, but it's a very powerful, very powerful truth in God's word. Now notice verse 20. Then he closed the book. Everybody say he closed the book. <laughs> he closed the book and then he gave it back to the attendant and then he sat down and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him and he began to say to them today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I want to draw from the text in verse 20 he closed the book and that is the title of my message today He closed the book. Turn to somebody and say, It's time for you to close the book. (laughs) And everybody's going to help me preach by saying amen at least one time. May be seated. I grew up in the church, and our church schedule was Tuesday night Bible study, Thursday night regular church service, Friday night youth service, Saturday. Bible college service, Sunday morning, Sunday school at 10, church at 11, and Sunday night choir practice and prayer meeting at 7 p.m. and another service at 8 p.m. We basically didn't have a life. Actually, we basically, our life was church. And now you know why I turned out so good. Lives were built around church. And when I was in grade school, I remember My pastor, his name was S.G. Norris. And he was a one-hour preacher. Don't you wish your pastor was a one-hour preacher? Sometimes I push it. But I haven't done that in a long, long time. My father-in-law used to say, 45 minutes is long enough for a good one and too long for a bad one. But I remember when my pastor was done preaching, He would do this. And I'm like. I'm only 10 minutes from McDonald's now. (laughs) Yeah, he would close his Bible. Now, sometimes that meant he was done and sometimes it meant nothing. (laughs) So we'll see what happens today but he closed the book. Over the last three years now, you have heard approximately 50 messages about finishing strong. It's become a part of our vocabulary. We're even having a race about it. A mile and a half. Some are running, some are walking. Will there be any wheelchairs out there for us 65 and older? I have preached Finishing Strong every way I've been inspired to, any way that God has spoken to me about it. Our last official offering was last month. Last month was the 36th month. But we have a little bit of unfinished business for Finishing Strong that I just want to wrap things up today. Today is the final message You might say we're closing the book on finishing strong now I don't know about you but I'm ready to close the book I've enjoyed giving I've enjoyed sacrificing I've enjoyed hearing your stories of your blessings more even this week new jobs raises promotions bonuses goodness of God and let me just say that just because we're closing the book on finishing strong doesn't mean that God is closing his book of blessings. Amen. In fact, it's quite the opposite. I want to circle back to the commitment card, by the way, sort of in a dramatic moment just for me in my office. I've been looking at our stack of finishing strong commitment cards for three years. I have them sitting right here in my Bookshelf. And I sort of dramatically, officially took them today and I raised them high above my wastebasket. And I dropped them and I saluted them. And I kept them because I would grasp them, I would pray over them. I wouldn't pilfer through them, I didn't go revisit anybody's gift or commitment or anything. But I would just pray over them and walk in my office and God. These are your people. These are your good, faithful partners, Lord. Bless the people. And I would use those cards to sort of perhaps connect with you as you connected with God about what he settled in your heart that he impressed you to commit. And I want to circle back to those cards for a moment in that third box. And I won't show you the card again like we did a few weeks ago, but The first box was we filled in what we were giving out of our budgets. And the second box was a liquidation of a one time, one time liquidation of an asset. And the third box was the trusting God box. Everybody say, trust God. That's what I'm talking to you about today. I'm talking to you about trusting God. For the last three years, we've been giving, we've been sacrificing, we've been pouring out our lives. In fact, I was trying to find one of my favorite, all-time favorite uh, Christian cartoons. Uh, I used to get a leadership periodical called uh, Leadership Magazine. And the articles were great, but let me tell you what was better than the articles was the cartoons. Yeah, the cartoons were great. And I tried, I looked everywhere, I found lots of them, but I couldn't find the one I wanted. And the cartoons showed two men, members of a church, One on either side of the church sign that welcomed everyone to church. But church was over and you could see people getting in the cars and leaving. And uh, the sign had a message on the church sign. It said, today's sermon, giving your all to God. And on one side was a man. The other side of the the sign was a man. And they were looking at each other. They're having this outtake conversation after church and All they had on was their underwear and a pair of socks. And the one man looked at the other said, I believe that's the greatest sermon we've ever heard pastor preach on giving. Now, we've never got that radical. But on February 20th, we preached when we finish. God begins. And I truly have the sense of of something beginning three years of sacrifice three years of faithful giving three years of just pouring out three years of preferring God over personal things and advancing his kingdom and we're seeing the results not all but we're seeing many of the results of our faithful stewardship and our giving and I shared with you a month ago the remarkable coincidence between what was remaining from our original collective corporate commitment and what had actually come in at that time, which was approximately 1.8 million. And by the way, do we have the graphics ready? I would like to show them now. If you'll look at this, this is this is our total but do you have the other number look at this in the last 45 days look at that hundred and forty four thousand eight hundred and sixty four dollars come on that's three times that's three times thank you so much for standing by with that that's remarkable and so we were sharing with you the difference between the commitment and then looked at that trust God box. In other words, this was beyond our ability, this was beyond our budget, this was beyond liquidation of one time asset. $1.4 million. And we're already reaching into that. And even though today is the last official day that we'll say anything about a finishing strong offering, I'm going to tell you that more is coming, more is coming. And if you identify the blessings of God, because of what you've been doing for three years, if something came out of nowhere, if something came out of the woodwork, if you know, somebody died that you didn't even know was your relative and left you, you know, $5,000, don't mistake the fact that's probably for finishing strong that's probably not for you to go to Disney World I'm just a thought so I thought it was sort of humorous that that third box was trust God you know we put God in a box (laughs) God we're trusting you in this box that's sort of what the children of Israel did they put God in the box called the Ark of the Covenant. You know, Hophni and Phineas thought, well, we'll just get God. You know, he's in the box. We'll take the box out into the battle. No matter that we live like perverts, no matter that our lives are hideous and we're promiscuous and, and we're committing fornication in the house of God. You know, they just put God in a box. That's not what we're talking about today. We're not trying to limit God or to isolate God or program God. But it was just a way that the best way that we knew how to communicate. Let's see what God will do. And I wanna just sort of rehearse. There's so many more things than this, but listen if one of these descriptions applies to you in the last three years. In the last three years, have you received more than a cola raise at work? A cola is a cost of living. You don't have to raise your hand, but if that's you, then you know who you are. In the last three years, have you received unexpected financial blessings or bonuses? In the last three years, have you been promoted at your job? I know one person testified they had five raises in three years. If this describes you, did you receive an unexpected source or sources of income? Did you perhaps, were you able to purchase The finest vehicle you've ever driven. Uh, Were you able to purchase a boat that you called finishing strong? (laughs) I know that applies to one family here uh, and we've celebrated that. Were you able to give more than you've ever given in your life? My wife and I would be able to say that. Uh, Did you get involved in ministry in the last three years like you never have before? Maybe some of you bought a new home, the finest home you've ever lived in. So many things that God has blessed us with that could not be measured in financial terms. And for our guests today, I have to say, I just got to get this out of my craw, out of my spirit right now. This is not a blab it and grab it church. This is not a name it and claim it church. This is not a prosperity church. But we do believe that if you're faithful to God, he'll be faithful to you. Amen. Amen. If I describe something that has happened to you, and even if I did not hit your nail on the head, but in some way, God has definitely blessed you in some way. Could you just give the Lord a hearty amen? Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Are these blessings circumstantial? I say no. I say they are a direct result of your faith, your sacrifice, your covenant partnership with God. Now, I feel like I have a word from the Lord for somebody today. Somebody here today has come here a little bit discouraged with God. And that's okay. That's why we come to church. Has anybody ever been discouraged with God? Yeah. Welcome to my world. Sometimes it's a daily battle. We have so many expectations. We pray so many prayers. We have life events that happen to us. As I look out over this congregation, just things are flashing to me right now because I know where some of you have been and I know we've all been let down. We've all been disappointed. And that's, that's the way it is. And that's the way it is always going to be. And I have said this many times, but I'm going to say it again. I do not want to serve a God that I've got all figured out. I don't want to serve a God who answers all my prayers just the way I pray them. In fact, there's been a lot of prayers I'm so glad that God didn't answer the way I prayed them. Woo! Thank God you didn't answer that prayer. <laughs> And thank God, Lord, you did some things I never even prayed about. The day you have God figured out is the day that you've created a God with your own hands. You've created an idol. If you've got God all figured out, that's not the kind of a God I want to serve. I want to serve a God that keeps me guessing. I want to serve a God that keeps me wondering. Come on. His name shall be called what? Wonderful. Don't ever lose the wonder. Don't ever lose the awe. Don't ever, you know, get to this place where, you know, you're magnifying yourself above God. No, that's not the way it works. The Bible said, magnify the Lord with me. We got to get God bigger than us. I don't want a God that I'm bigger than, but I want to serve a God who's bigger than I am. I want to serve a God who's always blowing my mind that I can't figure out, that I'm always in awe of, that keeps me walking with him. Let me tell you what this is. This is called trust. Everybody say trust. Trust. I've come today to encourage somebody that's discouraged with God. It's okay. It's okay. Just keep it real. Tell him how you feel. He can handle it. He's a pretty big guy. He's got pretty broad shoulders. What he can't deal with is hypocrisy and pretending. But when he can't, what he can deal with is if you keep it real. You keep it honest. That's, that's what he can handle. and And it's all right. If your faith becomes disappointed, welcome to the book. (laughs) Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are facing the fiery furnace and they stand before the king and they say, Oh, king, live forever. The God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. Is that where they they ended it? Is that where they settled it? Well, we're going to, God's going to deliver us. No, no, no. Were they hedging their bets? No, they were simply trusting God. Then they said, but if not, if he doesn't deliver us, it doesn't change how we feel about him. We're still not going to bow and worship your image. We're still not going to bow to the gods of this world. We'd rather go out in a blaze being faithful and worshiping God than to save our own hides and and disappoint our faith in God. Oh, friends, if you're going to if you're going to have longevity in your walk with God, you got to have a but if not in your vocabulary. Amen. Don't paint God in a corner. Don't say, God, it's got to be my way or the highway. Lord, if if you don't answer my prayer today, I'm never coming back to church. Lord, if you don't do this and that, I'm out of here. Oh, no, that's not the way it works. That's you being God. I made up my mind. I don't want to be God. I want him to be God. I want him to be God. I don't want to figure it all out. I just want to trust him. Listen, you can trust him today because his nature is to love you. It is nature is goodness. David said goodness and mercy has been and shall follow me all the days of my life. Praise God. Look over your shoulder once in a while. You know what's back there? Goodness and mercy. Oh, yeah. So trust, trust God. Don't don't give up your your faith in God. Now, I got to tell you that there are two sides to trust. There are two sides to trust. There's the obvious side that in our walk with God, we must learn to trust him. For what? For salvation. You mean confessing my sins that I'm a sinner and jumping in a tank with a few gallons of water and somebody putting me down in Jesus' name. And like Peter said, after I repent and baptize, that God will fill me with the Holy Spirit. That that's obeying the gospel. And I'm, I'm in relationship with God now. I'm, I'm I'm a redeemed sinner I'm a sinner saved by grace yes and I'm going to tell you that if that is not the gospel then I don't know what is and if that is not the gospel then there is no hope for any one of us and I've got to tell you today I have placed all of my faith in that message that Peter preached the day the church was born. I'm trusting God that till the day I die and the day I die and I step out of this uh, temporal world into the eternal world I'm trusting that when I repented of my sins that it did something for my soul and when I got baptized and had my sins washed away in the name of Jesus Christ that it, it cleansed my soul from all unrighteousness and I was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit that that is the power of the resurrection the resurrected Christ inside of me hallelujah Paul said, in the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, it shall also quicken your mortal body. Listen, if this book isn't right, if this book is not inspired, if this book was not given to us by God, if holy men of old did not write as they were inspired by the Holy Ghost, then there is not an ounce of hope for any of us. But if this is the truth, if this is the way, if this is the life, then we've placed our trust on the only thing that's worth placing your life in today hallelujah I don't have a plan B I don't have a backup plan I'm not Lord situating the acts 238 gospel in the first place and I'm backing it up with you know karma I'm not backing it up with Oprah Winfrey's your truth theology The Bible says the weakness of God is stronger than men, and the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Let God be true, and every man a liar. And so, every relationship boils down to trust. Trust is the bottom line of every test you go through, every trial. Every difficulty, you can just hear the Lord whispering, do you trust me? (laughs) Do you trust me? I don't know if you've ever read Gene Edwards' book, Prisoner in the Third Cell. That book put me on my knees. I hit the floor. He's talking about John the Baptist, the prisoner in the third cell and He's got the world at his feet and he's emptied out every synagogue and they've come out to the desert to hear him preach and he's the first anointed oracle of God in 400 years and he has the theological world eating out of the palm of his hand and, and, and he's baptizing them by the hundreds and now he's arrested and he's facing execution and Gene Edwards asked John the question. He says, John, Today, you met a God you don't understand. Have you ever met a God you don't understand? I have. That's real, isn't it? That's real. God, why? Why did he have to die? John could probably had that question. In fact, he was so bold one day and the next day he sends his disciples and says, ask him if he's the one. Have you ever been there? You know, a good Sunday service and everybody's here and we're all worshiping and feeling good and shouting. And and then Monday morning, is he the one? It's the human condition. It's okay. Am I helping anybody here today? It's okay. It's okay. Keep it real with God. He can handle it. But you don't want to live there in doubt. You don't want to live there. Doubt is not a good octane to run your life on. Starve your doubts. Feed your faith. And we've all at times in our life met a God we don't understand. But the bottom line of all relationship with God is trust. I, uh, I heard about a guy, he was walking right next to a cliff and wasn't paying as much attention as he should. And he sort of slipped and one foot fell off the cliff and then the other and he, he went down and as he was going over the cliff, just at the last second he grabbed onto a branch And he was all alone. And he thought, what am I going to do? He started crying out, Help! 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 Is anybody up there? Help! Finally, he heard a voice. The voice said, Let go of the branch. The guy said, Who are you? The voice said, I am the Lord. The guy said, is there anybody else up there? You know, I got the best jokes of the week. Oh, you ever felt that way? Okay, God, I, I'll figure this one out. You know, my way is a little bit better than your way on this thing. And so that's one side of trust is Us trusting God but the other side of trust is can God trust you that's the other side of the coin can God trust you do do you have anything to do with it yes can we be found faithful and have a relationship where if we're faithful with this God will give us something else yes Jesus said, if you're faithful with a few things, I'm just going to check. I'm not going to give you the whole nine yards right now. I'm just going to give you one yard. If you're faithful with one yard, then maybe I'll give you the whole nine yards or a half of the enchilada. And then if you're faithful with that, I'll give you the whole enchilada. Man, it's almost lunchtime. (laughs) And so the other side of the coin of trust is, can you trust, can God trust You. This is what the test of Abraham was all about. Abraham, can you trust me with offering your son? This is what the test of Job was all about. Can you imagine how much trust God placed in Job to allow him to be pushed to the brink? (laughs) That's what it was about. You know, God and Satan have this conversation and Satan says, well, he he only loves you and serves you and worships you and trusts you because you've given him all this stuff. Let me take all of that away and let's see what he'll do. And so God trusted Job. It's sort of like the day that, you know, the Philistines sent out their champion and the Israelites sent out their champion. This is what's going on here. God sends out his champion. His name is Job. And Job, I won't rehearse his story, but He's lost everything. His children die in one fatal accident, all 10 of them. And he's lost his health and his occupation is gone and all of his resources are stripped. And now his wife says, curse God and die. He said, you sound like a foolish woman. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Everybody okay? Can God trust you? With finances, with your calendar, can God trust you to represent him? Can he trust you with skills and talents that he's blessed you with? Can he trust you with ministry and with your marriage and with your family? I just feel like somebody needs to renew their trust in God today. Listen to Psalm 18:2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Listen to Psalm 18:30. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all those who trust in him. Psalm 27. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will what? We will remember. The name of the Lord, our God, Psalm 26, one vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have also trusted in the Lord. I shall not slip. Psalm 34, eight. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man. Who trust in him. Psalm 37, 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Psalm 56, 3. Whenever I'm afraid, I trust in you. There's your word right there. Psalm 91, 2. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him I will trust. Finally, Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord and thank him for his word. Do you trust him? Come on. Do you trust him? Come on. Let's celebrate him right now. Somebody. I trust him. I trust him with my life. I trust him with my family. I trust him with my health. I trust him with my strength. Come on, somebody get over your depression right now. Get over fear right now. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God, you may be seated. So, I bring my message to a close today and I come back to the text. This won't take long at all. Let me just give you a little hope. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus was baptized, he goes out into the wilderness, he's tempted of the devil, he defeats Satan with the same tool that you have, the Word of God. He didn't cast him into the bottomless pit, he just used the Bible. It is written, it is written, it is written. Same weapon you've got, and you'll have the same result. I said, you'll have the same result. Resist submitting yourself to God and resist the devil. Don't just resist the devil, submit to God, then resist the devil and he will flee. He goes out into the wilderness. The Bible said he was driven by the spirit into the wilderness. Amen. Sometimes we find ourselves in our own wilderness because of dumb things we did. But sometimes the spirit drives us into an, a, a lonely place. And it's designed by God. Everybody that's going to be used by God goes through a wilderness and he fights the devil. He resists him. He uses the word of God. He comes out victorious. The Bible said he came out in the power of the spirit. Listen, if God leads you into a lonely place, you're going to come out victorious. If God led you in there, you're going to come out better than when you went in. You're going to come out stronger and led of God. The the spirit, the spirit brought him out of the wilderness and he begins his ministry. And the Bible said in the text that his fame was preceding him. All over Galilee. Now, John de- describes the first miracle. This is Luke's narrative. So apparently, the marriage at Cana had already happened by the time Jesus gets to Nazareth. Water into wine, that's pretty cool. And perhaps had raised someone from the dead, opened some blind eyes, lame legs are walking, lepers are cleansed. Jesus is preaching. The Bible says he's preaching in their synagogues. Everywhere there's a synagogue, he's preaching. I love to read that about him. He's, you know, he's, he's in the house of God, but he's also out in the streets and he's preaching and his fame has spread and he comes to Nazareth where he grew up and Mary was so proud today. Did you hear? My boy's reading the scripture today in church. You know, the boy that, uh, his birth was controversial That boy, you know, all the rumors about me being unfaithful to Joseph. Well, that's a lie. That boy, who's now a rabbi, is reading the word. And the attendant, the man who's in charge, goes to the place where they keep the scrolls. And he brings the book of Isaiah. It's on the program. He hands it to Jesus. And Jesus goes through the scroll and he finds the place. He finds the place. And let me read it one more time to you. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Proclaim the liberty to the captives. The recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of of the Lord that's all you need right there and then the Bible said he closed the book and then he sat down so he read the word while he was standing but when it's time to offer his commentary he sat down that was their tradition Jesus is the preacher today but here's what I want you to understand He closed the book. Don't miss that. And this is my message today. Jesus was saying, you Jews have waited for centuries for the book to be closed on this prophecy. You've waited and you've prayed. And and you've been in the temple, and you've been. Have you ever seen the the Jewish people when they get out the word, and they it's like a flickering candle. is what it means. I don't know what they call this thing, but but they're doing this. And I've seen them on airplanes. I've seen them, you know, in Jerusalem. And and you've been waiting, and you've been praying, and you've been put tying on the phylacteries on your arms and on your forehead, and and you've been waiting, and you got the mezuzah on your on your doorpost, and you kiss it every time you go in and out of the house. And and Jesus is saying. Today is the day the FedEx UPS guy is here. It's signed, sealed, and delivered. It's me. I'm the one you've been waiting for. I'm the one that has come to preach deliverance, recovery, healing, provision, miracles, and to declare the year of jubilee. Let me tell you what Jubilee is. Every 50 years, Jubilee meant the divine reset. Let me tell you something. The squad, the squad in Washington, D.C. doesn't know anything about the reset. Let me tell you what the real reset is. In the year of Jubilee, God wanted to give hope to people who got in debt, who became prisoners, and who were suffering. In the year of Jubilee, all debts were forgiven. All the banknotes were burned up. Hallelujah, all the captives and the prisoners were set free. In the year of Jubilee, everybody's land went back to the original owners. God was saying, every 50 years, I'm going to reset the whole economy. I'm going to reset because I don't want people to become so discouraged that they get generational curses of captivity and addiction and issues and situations. He said he came and he read it and then he closed the book and he said, it is here. The blind eyes are now going to be open. The lame legs are now going to walk. The poor are going to have the gospel priest. Everything's going to go back to zero. It's It's gonna be fine. The prodigals are coming back, hallelujah. God's going to bless. (laughs) Hallelujah. And here's the message today. It's time for you to close your book. It's time for you to say, God said it, that settles it, and it's only a matter of time, and it's gonna happen. I'm not debating it anymore. I'm not gonna worry about it anymore. I'm not gonna be concerned about it anymore. I'm closing the book. Hallelujah. The debate is over. The worry is over. The fear is over. Messiah has come. Would you stand with me? There has to come a time in your life when you settle it and close the book. Come on. Somebody just go like this. Just close the book. You know what? I'm not debating that anymore. I'm not going to have another sleepless night over that. Not one more. I'm closing the book on that situation. (laughs) I'm not going to worry about that anymore. I'm closing the book on it. That's what we're doing today. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know what it means to close a book. For six months, I was in a battle for my life, a battle for my ministry that God had given me. I was about ready to quit. In fact, I'd quit a hundred times. I just didn't have the courage to, to say it. Quit the ministry, just get out of everything. And I'm going to tell you, my wounds happened in church. Come on. I know I got a word for you today. Come on. Somebody said, well, I'm not going to that church anymore. There's too many hypocrites there. Well, just, just just come on and join us. Where else are you going to find them? There's always going to be pretenders. But for every one pretender, there's a hundred that got it real, that got it right. Amen. Uh, And when Jesus was reading that, that was revelation. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm the one. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one who was and is and is to come. I'm the healer of broken hearts. I'm the deliverer of the captives. I'm the recovery. I'm the one who helps you recover. I'm the one that was revelation. And on June the 5th, 1988, I got a revelation. I was going to go out there and preach my last sermon. Little did I know, it changed my life when the Lord spoke to my ear. First Corinthians fifteen ten. Come to the keyboard, Ethan, or whoever's coming. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And Philippians 2.13, I'd never had the Lord speak to me like that before since. Philippians 2.13, it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It was a revelation. I I had opened up, literally, this is how I was. Forgive me for being so dramatic. But I was on the floor. All right. <laughs> oh my God! It's over. I'm so angry with you. You called me to preach and I'm empty. <laughs> First Corinthians. What's, what's First Corinthians? By the grace of God, I am what I am. Philippians 2.13. It is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I can't tell you. I was down for the count. But all I had was two verses. But I had Revelation. I don't have to suck it up. I don't have to just square my shoulders and you know, put my nose to the grindstone and my shoulder to the wheel and you know, get out there and just preach number 14 tonight. I had a revelation and you know what I did? I closed the book on June the 5th, 1988. I said, I am a called man of God. I have a destiny. I have purpose. The devil is a liar. The devil is a thief. And I've never been the same since. And there has to come a time when you close that book and you say, you know what? This is it. I'm settling it today. I'm a man of faith. I'm a Christian. I'm born again. I'm gonna trust God. (laughs) I'm a note preacher. I'm a note preacher, but I went out to that church that night. All I had was two scriptures. (laughs) To this day, they still don't know what hit them. I preached like I have never preached. I can't explain to you the turnaround. And then the revelation, the prophetic revelation. My wife's cousin, Janice Shostrand, walks up to us. She puts her hands on our heads and she says, in three weeks, God's given you direction for your ministry. I said that was June the 5th, on June the 26th, I was preaching my first message right here in Kansas City. Some of you were there. I know what it means to close the book. Is there anybody here today, you're ready to close the book on an issue? Are you ready to close the book on a situation? Are you ready to say, you know what? I've settled this today. I'm gonna trust God, I'm gonna believe God. God is going to come through for me. I'm staking my life on it. I see one coming right now. Amen. She's got ALS. She's believing God for a miracle. They're wanting to put her in a wheelchair. They're wanting to get her a scooter. I told her, you don't need a scooter. You need a motorcycle. Praise God. Amen. We're going to somebody want to trust God today. You ready to close the book? Come on, get on up here. Going to settle a situation. Going to settle the issue of your faith. Do you have an unresolved wound in your heart? Do you have an issue with God? Don't pick a fight with God. Just trust him today. Come on up here. Come on up here. Open up your heart and get real with God right now. Say, God, I'm settling this today. I'm closing the book right now. Come on, that's it. That's it. It doesn't look like it's going my way. Oh, it doesn't look like it's going my way right now. I don't understand this stuff. I don't get this, but I'm gonna close the book on my marriage today. I'm closing the book on my career today. I'm closing the book on my relationship today. I'm closing the book on this situation, on my health condition, come on. This is how we live. This is how we live. He opened the book, he read it, he said it's me. He said this day is a scripture fulfilled in your ear. Hallelujah. Come on, open your mouth to the Lord. Somebody needs to say, but if not, I want my kids to be saved, but if they're not, I'm going to be saved. Hallelujah. That's it. Just give it to the Lord right now. There's a witness right here that this is the will of God. There's a witness right now that we're in the will of God. Come on, that's it, settle it. You're going to walk out of here today with some peace. You're going to walk out of here today with a settled heart. In the name of Jesus, that's it. Open your mouth to the Lord. Declare his goodness. Declare his blessing. Declare the enemy a liar. (laughs) That's it, close it oh yeah i'm wrapping this up right now i'm closing this right now (laughs) hallelujah hallelujah oh i wish somebody would cry out to the lord i wish somebody had let your voice out somebody settle it right now hallelujah go ahead Go ahead if you're disappointed. Go ahead if you don't understand it. Just close the book on it. Don't let the enemy come in. Don't let the devil plant seeds of doubt in your mind. That's it. This is how we fight the good fight of faith. This is how we battle.